The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. The Oireachtas uh, um, Joint Committee on Assisted uh, Dying Meeting tonight, meeting in private tonight before public meetings getting underway on the 13th rather uh, of June. Uh, TD, People for Profit TD, Gino Kenny uh, with me now. Gino, you're welcome to, to Thanks, studio. Thanks. Um, so what, what are you hoping uh, these series of meetings are going to achieve? Well, the committee will run for nine months uh, beginning on the 13th of June and it will look at and examine the broad spectrum of quite a complex issue. It will look at the kind of the legal and constitutional aspect of it, safeguards, ethical issues, international context, assisted dying, uh, if it, you know, in the provision in Ireland, and unintended consequences. So it'll be, it'll invite a lot of witnesses in, uh, groups uh, that have kind of made kind of uh, submissions to the committee, and we'll hear kind of, as I said, from the broad spectrum for those that are against those. Um, that support assisted dying and those probably that are in the middle. And there's a lot of people in the middle as such and want to hear more about this issue. And I know, because uh, you and I have had this conversation before, you you are one of those who are supportive of it mm. and, and we'll be hoping that this process, I guess, can convince some of those in the middle I think that so. this yeah. is the way to go. Is yeah. that fair? I think it's very fair. Uh, as I said, it will run for nine months um, and it'll make it make its recommendations to the government after that period. And I would hope that it would recommend legislative change in relation to its kind of report. And what would that legislative change look like? What what system would you like to see in place in Ireland? I think uh, something very like what happens uh, uh, in New Zealand and some parts of Australia where their assisted dying has been legislated for uh, that gives those um, with a terminal illness a choice uh, coming to the end of their life of assisted dying. And that's, uh, I think that's probably the basis of any legislation uh, around assisted dying. Obviously things have to, you know, we have to hear the, the debate. As I said, it's quite a complex issue. But I hope at the end of uh, this kind of long discussion that we've been having for a long time, in fact, uh, that we recommend uh, changing of the law. So those that are in the situation, uh, they have a term illness. vast majority will never want to avail of it, but those will have a choice. Mm. And that's what it comes down to. That voice is the most important voice in the whole debate. Yeah, it is a complex issue and I'm probably one of those people in the middle you described. So Dr. Eric Kelleher is with us as well. He's a consultant liaison psychiatrist in Cork University Hospital and a member of the Faculty of Liaison Psychiatry in the College of Psychiatrists of Ireland. Eric, you're welcome to the show. Um, you have reservations, is that fair, about assisted dying? Yes, that's right. Good evening, Kieran, and to Deputy Kenny and your listeners. I mean, the first thing I would say is that assisted suicide is a complex area. I would agree with Deputy Kenny on that. And my thoughts go out to anybody listening to this conversation this evening with a terminal illness. So my job is a liaison psychiatrist. I work uh, directly with patients with physical illness and mental health needs. And that includes assessing patients and treating suicidal behaviour and thoughts of self-harm. So I'm very concerned as a college of psychiatrists with this type of legislation that it will normalise suicidal behaviour in vulnerable groups, such as those with cancer and advancing neurological illnesses. And that will be really challenging to get patients to engage in mental health care and lead them away from choosing an assisted suicide if this law passes. We already know that patients with cancer, advanced neurological illnesses, um, are at increased risk of suicidal behaviour. And indeed, our national policy for suicide prevention, Connecting for Life, has identified those with chronic illness as being vulnerable groups for completing suicide. So what happens to those patients if this type of law passes? Um, so, so those are the concerns of myself as a working clinician, meeting patients, um, and those, who I'm, those are the people I'm thinking of, that this will normalise suicidal behaviour 
and, and, and vulnerable groups. Uh, Gino, will it normalise suicidal behaviour? No, no, not at all. I don't think it's uh, helpful to conflate the issue of suicide and assisted dying. I think it's very unhelpful. Um, and, you know, it's a voluntary decision. It's a very fundamental decision that somebody uh, may or may not make. Um, and I think that decision, uh, people should be given the choice in relation to, you know, that period of their life to hasten um, one's life. And I think it's a fundamental human right for somebody to have a decision how and how they die. I just don't, I, I mean, of course, there has to be safeguards. Safeguards are really important in relation to, you know, somebody that could be kind of, you know, construed into uh, making decisions not of their of theirs. But it's a fundamental human right of a human being, if they're going to die, that they have a decision and a say how they die. I just, I, I think it's a basic human right. Uh, uh, Eric, might safeguards um, not assuage you of some of the fears that you feel that uh, people who have those suicidal inclinations, that they might be identified and that they might not be able to, or, or rather that, you know, were they to avail of this um, service, were it to exist, uh, that it might not be because of those inclinations? If I, if I can use a personal example, please, Karen, just to answer your question. And mm. um, this is an anonymized example of somebody I saw very recently who had, an, who had an advancing neurological illness and was referred to me because they'd expressed a wish for an assisted uh, death. Uh, and when I met that person, I found that they actually had a depressive illness. And exploring that in depth with that patient and their family, um, the person's spouse and their child, uh, they were really worried about being a burden on their family members and that. They saw their spouse not as their spouse anymore, but actually as their carer. And I was listening to your show yesterday, Karen, I think, and you were talking to the challenges people have accessing carers in the community. And that was this person's experience as well. They had really struggled to get carer support in the community. And putting that person's needs front and centre, we were able to address why they were looking for an assisted death. Uh, to, you know, support that person uh, to get the, the care they needed, which they hadn't been able to access in the community. This is somebody who ended up being admitted into the into the medical hospital, which is where I saw them. So then I'd be concerned about someone like this, you know, who doesn't really want to be dead, but because of the lack of social support, which, which you know, many of us have experienced in this country, you know, they may end up choosing an assisted death. Um, as opposed to you know, having a robust healthcare system that can address why they are seeking an assisted death. Because remember, most people who look for um, an assisted death fear being a burden on family members. I, I know we hear a lot about worries about pain, etc. But it's that fear of being a burden, which is something I see with people with mental illness mm. a lot, and why people choose, you know, suicide or see suicide as a legitimate option because they fear being a burden. So these are the challenges I think we will have, you know, in the community, for example, if, if laws like this pass in vulnerable patient groups. Gino, those people you describe in the middle, and as I said, mm. I'm, I'm kind of in it, I think that their inclination when you describe the person in, 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 in pain, who is suffering, who wants to take control of how their life ends, that their, their inclination, their natural human inclination is to be sympathetic and to, yeah. to agree with you. But then they hear stories like Eric's, and that's what gives them pause. That's what yeah. kind of swings them back into the middle. And, that, think, and I think that's know. a good story that that gentleman kind of reflected. Because obviously if somebody is kind of diagnosed with a terminal illness, of course, a human emotion is to be very depressed about that scenario, really depressed. And that can be kind of, uh, that can um, move uh, in relation to, you know, acceptance of that illness. 
But even after that, Kieran, even after that, if somebody wants and, you know, wants to uh, legally and medically end their life at their choosing, why deny somebody that choice? Nobody in nobody has the right to say they can't. Nobody, no doctor on this earth can say, look, that person has to go through weeks, months, days of their life, which can be very complicated. Hmm. In that situation, a society, wherever, has an obligation to say to that person, look, in this situation, we can offer you um, a choice to either go through all that or if you want to um, hasten that, that weeks or months. And that should be a human, a basic human right. And Eric, is your fear that in the in the the situation you described that that individual, that once the system is in place, that that individual is an awful lot less likely to be talked out of their decision? Absolutely, absolutely Karen. There's a concern that this will normalise suicidal behaviour. We have come so far as a, as a society in terms of how we address suicide, the recent darkness into light uh, day that we had. You know, we have really moved the clock on from, you know, talking about suicide. And here we are normalising suicidal behaviour in in vulnerable patient groups. I would say to Kieran as well, you know, we really need to look at the examples internationally, how this law has changed over time. I know uh, Gino was using the example of Australia, but a better example, I think, because the law in Australia is more recent, you know, Canada brought about this type of law, again, as Gino was suggesting, for limited circumstances and terminal illness. But over seven years and that law has rapidly expanded to include those with chronic illness, not a terminal illness, but also in the past year, it's been opened up to patients, patients with mental illness alone. There was no physical health issue at all. So you've got this incredible situation where on the one hand, the mm. Canadian government is running suicide prevention campaigns, and on the other hand, providing assisted suicide uh, to patients with mental illness. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is deeply concerning. I mean, again, the testimony of made, well, that's the name for assisted, the provision of assisted yeah. in Canada is made. And, um, you know, there was a report I read on the BBC website where, you know, those who were who supportive made initially were now revising their opinion because they feel it is actually, you know, taking the place of, of adequate, robust mm. social support we're, for patients. In one example that was given, there was a, a Paralympian by the name of Christine Gautier. And she said she was offered an assisted death by the maid provider, the assisted death provider, when she asked for a wheelchair ramp to be uh, installed into her home. So we need to be mindful of, as to how these laws uh, are, are yeah. created and how they are changed over time in these countries and, and look at those international examples. We're actually going to speak to um, uh, Derek Smith, the doctor in Vancouver uh, from Dying with Dignity there, who would be supportive of, of the Canadian system, but he will talk to us a little bit about how it all works as well. That's coming up after six. But, you know, before I let you go, I mean, that, that slippery slope argument, again, that's something that people fear. That You, you yeah. start off with the safeguards in place and then you end up where Canada is, that somebody with a diagnosed psychiatric illness. Well, I don't agree with it. I don't. I mean, somebody... Um Somebody with a, a history of mental illness should not be able to avail of assisted dying. Somebody with a disability should not be avail of assisted dying. Somebody of uh, advanced age should never be able to uh, um, avail of assisted dying. So safeguards can be put in place. Um, but again, I just don't think it's helpful to conflate the issue of suicide and assisted dying. You know, somebody that is terminally ill is not suicidal. 
Well, listen, all of these issues, as both of you say, we're going to be thrashed out um, over uh, the, the course of this uh, Joint Oireachtas Committee on Assisted Dying. The first meeting's tonight, that's a private meeting, and as Gino said, the 13th of June is when the public meetings begin in earnest. It'll be a fascinating uh, debate and discussion. Gino Kenny's a People Before Profit TD. Dr. Eric Kelleher is a consultant, liaison psychiatrist in Cork University Hospital. At- the Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.